Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus That's That's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans. It is Tony Marchese, and tonight I've got NWI Steve with me. Steve, this was a tough one tonight on the South Side. How are you doing? Hey, yo, Tone. I'd be doing a lot better if uh, that eighth inning had unraveled or had not unraveled the way it did, but, uh, you know, such is baseball. Such is baseball, Steve. I, I love that saying, but. Uh, this is a tough one, man. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little irritated with what uh, what transpired in that eighth inning. I think that there's there's a lot of good to talk about from the front half of this ball game. I think that uh, Lance Lynn had a hell of a fucking night again. Um, love watching that guy pitch, and I think that uh, I've seen this story before, man. I, I think I've I've watched this one unfold too many times, and this just felt like deja vu to me. Uh, and we're going to get into it. Steve, but before we do that, uh, Socks on Tap is presented by the fine folks over at Grandstand. That is, once again, Steve, I believe your favorite store. Am I correct? Your favorite store on, the, on, the, on this earth? I'm pretty sure that that is a verified fact. Uh, I'm pretty sure it is, too. I, I've got it on, on good sources. That uh, that's, that's a place where you can go to find some of the best White Sox gear and all Chicago sports gear over at Grandstand Socks on Tap. Once again, presented by Grandstand Steve. Sox fall tonight by a final score of 6-2. to two. Uh, This was a close one. As I said before, Lance Lynn looked absolutely phenomenal on the mound. Uh, why don't we get into this one? Thoughts on, on Lance Lynn today, Steve? How can you not love this guy? You know, he just goes out there every day, workman-like mentality. And I've talked about this ad nauseum at this point. It's going to be a lot of fastballs. He's just going to come right at you. He's going to say, here it comes, motherfucker. I don't think you can hit it. And, you know, he's going to go out there and he's just going to, he's going to vary it up. He's going to cut it a little bit. He's going to run it. He's going to keep it up in the zone with, with the four seamer, but it's just going to be hard stuff at you from, from the outset. And, you know, he's going to have a couple of, of big spots throughout the course of a game where he's going to get really pumped up and he's going to get really animated. And we saw that again here um, tonight, you know, coming off the mound after the sixth inning, you know, when he gave one of his infamous let's go motherfuckers. And, uh, you know, e even Jason kind of was like, whoa, kind of taken a little bit aback by it. But, um, you know, Lanslin just, you know, really did what you needed him to do tonight, especially after Carlos Rodon was not able to give you much length um, in, in the game last night, only going the five innings. So, you know, Lance Lynn did what he set out to do, gave you seven quality in his cover, 21 outs there, uh, put this team in a position to win a ball game, and then unfortunately things kind of unraveled from there. Yeah, and uh, I want to get to some positives right off the bat, and I think that the, the, the number one positive in this game was Lance Lynn. Steve loved what we got out of him, 
And yes, the emotion. I think that that's something that this team uh, can definitely ride on. I thought that that's what was going to continue to happen in this game uh, was was riding off of a great Lance Lynn start. We've seen this before from him uh, where he just gets so emotional out there on the mound uh, when he's mowing these guys down. And I think that that's cool and fucking tough. Um, but Steve, let's break into this one. Um in the first inning, White Sox able to get on the board, uh, able to scrape a run across in the first uh, to get out to the early lead. But Toronto does strike back in the second. And then I, I want to talk about some of these missed opportunities that you and I were, were talking about before we uh, got on here, Steve. Why don't we go through uh, the fourth inning, uh, Yasmani Grandal uh, gunned down at the plate, or was he? Uh, any thoughts on that play? I. Uh... I don't know how they possibly couldn't have overturned this. And and I know Jason has really been harping on this quite a bit over the last few weeks. This is where there needs to be an explanation as to what the group in New York saw in the replay rooms, because you watch this play, you see it from three or four different angles that they have at the ballpark, how they can't overturn this, how they came to the conclusion that a tag was put on him before he got that foot in across home plate. I can't understand it. And Jason is absolutely right when he says that there needs to come to a point where we get similar to what you get in the NFL or the NHL with these replays here, where we get an explanation as to what was seen from the replay groups in New York, because this was really egregious from my perspective here. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that it, that it cost him the game, but it was absolutely a momentum killer in a number of ways. Yeah, an absolute momentum killer in, in just everything there. I thought that uh, we had enough clear angles as the fan at home during the explanations during this thing for it to be uh, clear cut. This thing is he's safe uh, and it continues. Sox get another run on the board uh, and we're rolling. And then, you know, the umpire comes out and obviously just because that's, you know, that's so baseball um, in every sense of the word there uh, that he's out. And I was dumbfounded by this. I was absolutely dumbfounded. I think you hit on all the points with Jason Benetti saying on the broadcast that, you know, we need some sort of mic'd up explanation. I know it did come later uh, via email to Jason. He was heated about it, Uh, but I did see a take out there and I would have loved to have heard Hawk go off on this play. Yeah, I think uh, I think I actually might have heard Hawks screaming from Granger. You know, I'm about uh, I'm about 90 miles west of of Granger right now, so I think I heard some very audible yelling uh, when all when all that happened. And I'm pretty sure that was the Hawkeroo in between sips of Schmirnoff. So you you know, if he were in the booth right there, you know, you'd get the emphasis. I wish I could cuss right now because you know mm-hmm. Hawk Hawk would not have been thrilled with that. <laughs> no, Hawk would have. Hawk would have just burned the entire place down um, in some like fiery rage. And then he probably would have left the booth later on in this game to go check on somebody too. Uh, so it would have been, it I, don't, been I, don't know if, I don't know if they, I, don't, I don't know if he's yet at the point where Hawk would leave the booth to go check on him. I mean, that, that's up for debate though. That's up for debate. You never know who who's going to be Hawk's guy uh, on a team. You know what I mean? Like I, I didn't know Todd Frazier was going to be Hawk's guy. Uh, that 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 year, you know, you just you just don't know. So maybe maybe Hawk Hawk probably would have checked on Eloy Jimenez in the spring training game. 
No, I just said, I mean, yeah, Hawk would have absolutely gone out to check on Eloy there in uh, spring training there because you know Eloy, big slugging outfielder right there. That definitely would have been a Hawk guy. So so he definitely would have gone out there to uh, see if he was okay. I, I feel like he would have. All right, so moving on here, Steve. We get into the fifth inning, um, and the White Sox are able to get one across here in the fifth. Uh, Nick Magical as part of this, but he gets stranded. Let's talk a little bit about that missed opportunity because this is, I think, when we were talking before, your turning point in today's game. Before I can get to that aspect here, I got to give some kudos to Nick Madrigal. He's a guy that a lot of people know that I've never really been particularly high on. He has really started to swing the bat pretty well over the last couple of weeks, starting to add in some extra base hits here. That was always one of the critiques that I had about him was that he was nothing more than a soft slap hitting singles guy. And he's really kind of turned a corner a little bit here over the last couple of weeks, providing some some nice value with the bat there, getting some extra base hits, mixing in some doubles, mixing in some triples. And he had another key RBI double here to give this team the lead. But but then, you know, from there, so he's on second base, nobody out. Timmy, you know, a good quality at bat, following up on that, hit the sacrifice fly to get him over to third base. So now you got a spot here where you're up two to one. You've got a very pivotal third run there, sending 90 feet away with one out. You've got your two and three hitters. You got Jake Lamb and and you know, Makata coming up. Jake Lamb got a couple of pitches in, in the sequence to hit her uh, from Noah. I'll follow up for ultimately striking out his fastball. And then you know, Makata that we've seen a little bit in the last of the 10 days or so in some of these key high leverage situations here with Chance Henry games open, uh, hitting some soft pop ups to. You know, that area uh, down the third baseline there between short and third and kind of saw that again right there. So just a wasted opportunity when you had a chance to put a little bit of a cushion there, potentially give yourself a three-to-one lead, give you a little bit of breathing room, a little bit of margin for error. They were unable And I feel like far too often, such a season here, but this team was unable to do that. It also been the last season. And Steve, you're cutting out bad again there. Um, let's see if we can get him back. Um, I apologize for the technical difficulties here on both of our ends. Steve, are you are you there still? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, Tony. Okay. Yeah, you, you pixelated out on me just a little bit there, Steve, towards the end of that. But, yes, the, uh, the uh, inability to get that run across the plate, I think, was a huge difference in today's game um, in the grand scheme of things. And uh, there we go. Steve, Steve's going to pop back in here. But um, that, that was definitely a big play uh, in the grand scheme of things uh, for this one tonight. And, again, we, we've, we've talked about this so many times. The ability to get runners in with scoring position is is just so key to winning baseball games that 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 cannot be understated um and you've seen the white Sox be able to do it you saw last night we had the rally um to come back uh in that in that ball game uh, and just continue to drive runs across the plate um and, and the white Sox offense knows how to do it there's just too many pieces of it right now that are struggling um, to to really consistently maintain that, Steve, and I think that that's just a huge problem. We've seen some somewhat of a power outage uh, from time to time for this team, um, and on a night like tonight, no reason why 
uh, with the ball flying out of the ballpark. You saw Randall Grichik hit one earlier today, 450 feet uh, into left field. Um, there's no reason why this team uh, shouldn't be putting the ball over the fence or driving runs in or just getting the job done with less than two outs and runners in scoring position. It's unacceptable. Uh, you, you have to score runs there. Absolutely. That's oftentimes a deciding factor in who's going to win a baseball game is who is able to tack on those extra runs when, when you have an opportunity and who isn't. And we saw that tonight. Yes, it, it, it is detrimental there. Um, and, you know, th- this game goes from here and, and just gets even worse uh, for the White Sox as this goes on. Um, after that, after that inning, we, we breeze through and we're going to fast forward a little bit into the play that everybody wants to talk about. Um, and that's Nick Madrigal running to first base. This isn't the first time a White Sox player has been injured running to first base this year. Uh, Nicky uh, on a ground ball running it out. Uh, kind of misses the bag. It looked like he had an opportunity to be safe on this play um, and just kind of double skips the bag just a little bit. He's called out on the play. Um, unfortunately, the White Sox at that point in time don't even have a challenge to go back and look at this thing, but he was close. Uh, and he comes up lame after this, winds up down on the ground. Um, officially ruled so far that uh, Nick Madrigal uh, has hamstring soreness. He'll be reevaluated on Thursday. Um, but this is just another, another injury, uh, for this team. And I mean, the White Sox are up two to one in the ball game at this point in time. Uh, Nick Madrigal goes down, um, and it felt a little reminiscent of the Luis Robert injury, Steve, a little bit too much to me, uh, that, that can take the wind out of the sails of a team. Um, and that's exactly what it did, but Nick Madrigal, like, let's not, let's not sugarcoat this. He has been quite the spark plug in the White Sox offense. <laughs> Man, feels like for at least the last four weeks, finally starting to drive drive the ball into the gaps, uh, you know, just getting the job done offensively. He doesn't strike out. Um, he's just such a weapon. Um, he's another guy that just gets on base and can make things happen. You even saw it in this ball game today, Steve. Uh, Nick Madrigal, uh, you know, puts the team on top. Um, so there's – there's so many different aspects of Nick Madrigal's game that, that come into play here as well as you see the rest of this game unfold. The, the botched double plays, the the inability to continue on with a clean game seem to all hinge on the missed opportunities to get some runs in and then Nick Madrigal going down. This is scary, again, to say the least, for the White Sox here with the injury bug bites again. Yeah, it's really a troubling situation here when you may potentially have a third starter um, from your everyday lineup kind of go down here and we're seeing it with guys all across the league here. These hamstring injuries are not things that are um, concluding relatively quickly. These are things that are lingering for quite a while. I mean, hell, Adam Engel missed two months from what we all thought was going to be just a simple hamstring strain, um, you know, with about 10 days left to go in spring training. And he just came back, you know, a couple days ago here. So 
you you hope for the best with this. Um, obviously, I think anytime you hear hamstring now at this point, you pretty much have to assume there's going to be an IL stint involved with that. And so now, again, the Sox are going to be playing a little bit shorthanded, and they're going to have to find a way for some of the regular guys, um, Jose Abreu, Yoan Mankata, who have been scuffled a little bit, need those guys to kind of get back on track, kind of pick it back up here. And then you're going to need some guys that you maybe necessarily weren't counting on to kind of step things up a little bit. So whether that's a Danny Mendick or, you know, a, a Tim Beckham, who I expect is going to be the guy that's going to, going to get the call in place of Nikki at this point here, or, you know, maybe Jake Lamb getting some more at bats here with your mean Mercedes continued struggles. You need somebody else here to kind of pick up the slack a little bit. No, you absolutely do. Um, you're you're going to need to see somebody come up and, and you know, it's, it's a next man up across the league right now. Uh, that That's uh, you're absolutely correct. This is this is not just a White Sox problem. Uh, this has been a, a problem for most teams. I mean, you look at the San Diego Padres uh, injury list right now. It's it's massive. Um and they're not the only ones. Uh, the, the, the White Sox are going to have their fair share of injuries. It feels right now as if, though, the White Sox have, have never seen all this. Man, I miss Herm Schneider is one of the first things that comes to mind, Steve, um, as a White Sox thought, uh, because I feel like we'd, we'd be getting guys back a little bit quicker. Um, and that's just based off feel of being a White Sox fan for so long. But, man, like he would he would really come in handy this year. Uh, and then you just go to the, to the next uh, – step of this and you start to think why why is this all happening it it, it just it it feels like it's been too much uh yet this team has still been able to stay competitive um across the league but it, you know the, the the part that really pisses me off is that we've seen this exact storyline happen before where a, a major uh piece of your ball club goes down and you then got a battle. It seems like the team reels just a little bit. Um, you saw it with the Abreu collision. You've seen it with Luis Robert going down. Um, you know, we've had, you know, just too many other things. I mean, you forget that Michael Kopech is down right now. Billy Hamilton is down right now. Um, and, and Tony, let's let's not forget, they dodged a bullet in the first inning there um, earlier tonight when Jose Abreu got yes. hit with the bat by, by the umpire. I yes. mean, it's like how random – of an incident can you have? And, you know, when he went down, I think everybody just, whether you were in the ballpark or whether you were watching at home, everybody just kind of got that sinking feeling in their stomach. And it's like, what the hell is going to happen? I'm so sick of having that sinking feeling in my stomach with this team, because there's, there's so many good things to talk about. Last night you were there. I was there. There was such a great feeling in that ballpark when this when this team won. That was probably the happiest I have walked out of, uh, you know, a White Sox game feeling about a team in in God knows how long since I was a kid. I mean, this was this was really really fun baseball, and it has been really really fun baseball to watch. And then you get a, a couple of games sputtered throughout the year like this so far. Uh, more of them were earlier in the season than they have been recently, but you, you gotta just, mm, you cannot fall apart after that. Uh, this was, this was still a game that's in your hands. Uh, the ball's turned over to Aaron bummer. You, you know, that I don't uh, typically, you know, slander a lot of, of Tony LaRusso's name around here, but 
I'm going to go back and say, I mean, 95 pitches. I know Ozzie Guillen on the postgame show said he was fine uh, turning the ball game over to Bummer here. But I don't know. I would have stuck with Lance Lynn. I'm just going to go out there and say that, Steve. I absolutely would have stayed with Lance Lynn. He's a fucking gamer. Uh, the guy is mowing people down. He's got big energy on the mound. He's, he knows what he's doing out there. I probably would have gone to, to Lance Lynn, and you probably don't even – you, you might you might not even see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, in that inning, and everything 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 that could go wrong went wrong in that eighth inning, Steve. It, it was it was terrible to watch. It was it was so fucking painful. It was probably one of the most painful innings of White Sox baseball this season to watch thus far. And I mean, how, how are you feeling about it? Well, a couple, couple things. Um... You know, I can see both, you know, sides of the equation here as far as with the idea of letting Lance go back out there uh, to start that eighth inning. You know, he was at the 95 pitches, but, you know, Toronto had the bottom part of the order coming up. And I think Lance was definitely in a little bit of a groove there um, at the end. So, you know, I can definitely see the idea of letting him start the inning. Um, and then if he gets into any kind of trouble whatsoever, then, you know, you have Bummer or, you know, somebody else there to kind of back him up. <clears throat> The same, you know, on the same token there, um, Toronto was at the spot in the order where they had, you know, multiple lefties coming up right there. So, you know, Bummer actually did. I know it's not going to look, it doesn't look like this, but if you actually break down that inning right there, he gets Telez to pop out. He strikes out Adams, you know, the the pinch hitter right there. And we got to talk about Yasmani Grandal and that pass ball. Look, um, a lot of people know that obviously I'm I'm a Yaz guy, but that was a piss poor effort right there. All right, you gotta you gotta move your body, you gotta get in front of that thing, you gotta box that ball up right there because you know Aaron Bummer did what he was supposed to do right there. He got a strikeout, so you should have had two outs, nobody on base in that situation, and then Marcus Simeon just beats a ball, you know, in into the ground right there. So Bummer gets the ground ball, but the problem that that Aaron Bummer has had for pretty much the entirety of this season here is that for whatever the reason, anytime something happens, whether it's an error behind him, a pass ball, um, things just kind of come unravel. He has not shown an ability to be able to pitch over that this season for reasons I can't quite understand. And it's really kind of starting to snowball on him a little bit. Yeah. And, and Steve, this is something that, uh, you know, I, I've, I've been a, a Yasmani Grandal supporter for a bit. I, 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 I liked the signing. I thought that he was coming here to, to do some good things. And I think that there's a, a tremendous upside to Yasmani Grandal. And most of it uh, has been in the batter's box rather than behind it, um, at least in my mind, end of late. And I thought that one of the things that we were getting with Yasmani Grandal was an elite pitch framer and a defensive catcher who can also hit. There are some some areas of Yasmani Grandal's game, Steve, that I think both of you and I can agree have been somewhat uh, suspect um, in how he's handled his behind-the-plate duties. Um, getting in front of balls has been sometimes an issue. Uh, making throws has been sometimes an issue for him. Catcher's interference has been uh, a, a weirdly interesting issue for Yasmani Grandal. I don't really feel like we've seen the best defensive Yasmani Grandal that I, I think a lot of people were sold on when he was coming here. Um, and that's just because some of those mistakes have have mounted into 
you know, tangible things that have caused issues in ball games like we saw tonight. I mean, the, if, if that's your second out in the inning, it's a whole different inning, right? a completely different inning. And it can, you know, this is baseball, so it's going to compile, you know, the, 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 the no out walk uh, or the walking the first batter can come back to bite you in the ass. Um, and air comes back to bite you in the ass. This type of shit bites you in the ass. And it was on full exposure tonight because things just continue to unravel from there. You're absolutely right. And, you know, you look at all the things that went wrong for Aaron Bummer, and then you bring in Cody Hoyer, another guy that's been struggling quite a bit, does what, what he was supposed to do, actually gets the ground ball, gets what should have been an inning-ending double play. And the irony of it is earlier in the game, you know, Stephen Stone was singing the praises of Timmy, talking about his footwork, talking about how he has improved defensively. And on that play right there, we saw some really poor footwork from Tim that ultimately caused him to not be able to complete that double play that would have gotten the team out of the inning tied two to two. So, things so Steve, came- I want to go back to this as a, as a former middle infielder myself. That rapport that you have with your second baseman and shortstop, you know, middle of the game, throwing Danny Mendick out there for these plays, could could that have been part of this too? If we're trying to like look for some deeper things here, the defense starts to break down. Jose Abreu starts missing catches at first base. Uh, you know, like you said, he took a bat to the to the leg. Um, via an umpire. I, I tweeted that out earlier today. I know you're not on Twitter.com anymore, uh, but like there, there were there were nagging things going on here. Uh, a different double play combination, uh, a beat up first baseman who remains in a game, uh, maybe not feeling a full 100% able to get to things that he normally would or jump as high as he normally would or, or be in the right position because he's in pain. Um, you know, some of those other things add up. But, you know, do you think that has any effect on it? Uh, the Danny Mendick, uh, Tim Anderson uh, double play combo versus what you were used to just 20 minutes ago and Nick Madrigal? I personally don't. I think it was just a matter of, I think, Tim, just for whatever the reason, thought that he had less time to try to turn the double play than he really did in actuality. Uh, let's not forget Danny Mendick. It was a gold glove finalist a year ago at second base. Um, and, you know, all jokes aside, I mean, he's a guy that has given you pretty solid defense overall at second base right there. So just from my perspective, I think Tim just for whatever the reason rushed the throw. Um, Tim Anderson was – in this game to win it. I, I think he, he did a few different things out there tonight that just kind of proved that he was flying on his own uh, itinerary, uh, basically. Uh, the, the steal of third base um, that was it was pretty egregious, Steve. I, I don't think that there was anybody out there uh, that would have, would have even called for him to steal third base there. You saw him trying to force some throws um, on double play balls. So I, I can get behind what you're saying there. I, th- I think Tim Anderson was trying to play leader hero in, in this game. And, and some th- he took some chances, um, rushed some things, and, and wanted to get things done, um, maybe in a more spectacular fashion versus in a formidable fashion to try and just get the job done the right way, maybe a little bit more fundamentally than than normal 
Yeah, I'd say that's probably a pretty fair assessment right there, if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> and uh, you you hit on all the key points there, Counselor. I have nothing further to add. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's just that's just the sense that I got from him. Uh, when you see a ball player doing that, it, it more or less feels like they're taking things into their own hands and, and trying to, to make things happen versus just, you know, sticking back and doing what they should do. Um, which is, is is stick to their game, and Tim Anderson wants to bring that energy. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna slander him for that 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 steal of third base because if it works and you're able to convert on that, Steve, um, you've got you've got a runner in, in scoring position there. You're able to chip away a run that you shouldn't probably have, um, but at the same point in time, it, it just really looked like he was trying to force this across and maybe bring some energy to the ballpark. Um, and I, I think that's admirable. I think that that's what the leaders do sometimes, but you know, all, all the time, you know, that can, that can start to backfire too. And you saw that happen tonight with Tim Anderson um, moving on from that one. Uh, you know, the, the, the inning just continued uh, to compile different things. Aaron bummer uh, winds up only going uh, one third of that inning, giving up two hits, three, runs all of them earned he does walk a run across the plate he's relieved by cody hoyer who comes in uh and and does get the the job done here um and then matt foster does end up uh in in mop-up duty uh and he did not look good as well this bullpen tonight steve um i saw somebody else on twitter say it um i'm not exactly sure who it was but the tony Larusa white flag bullpen is 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 a thing um, when, when the White Sox are in these situations, I feel like Aaron Bummer is that guy to kind of teeter on things a little bit. Um, and if he's off, uh, you see a certain bullpen deployed after him. If, t- if Aaron Bummer gets his job done, you're probably seeing Liam Hendricks come in and close this ball game out game over. Um, and that's what it should be. I'm getting a little bit frustrated, with the 50-50 shot, it seems like every single time Aaron Bummer comes out, what version are we getting? Um, that That's not as promised so far this year because you've seen him be electric. You've seen him be able to get out of things. You've seen him be able to do Aaron Bummer things that we're used to over the past few years. And then you get some of these nights where it's like, this is Aaron Bummer just called up to the show. What are you doing here? Um, and that's that's getting a little frustrating right now. You're 100% right, and this is something that, you know, I've talked about a little bit recently is just the overall inconsistency with the bullpen in front of Liam Hendricks and the struggles that they have had in terms of building any kind of consistency um, in trying to bridge that gap from the starters to Liam Hendricks. And this is something that they really do need to figure out here, um, whether it's been, you know, Cody Hoyer, Aaron Bummer, Evan Marshall, uh, Matt Foster now, you know, it, it's just they have not performed the way we all thought that they were going to. We all thought that this was going to be an elite-level bullpen, one of the best in the game, and they have not been that. I know some of the peripheral numbers suggest that, you know, this is something that should turn around, but for whatever the reason, they're just getting snake bit by some bad luck, and things are just kind of compounding on them when when that happens, and they're just not able to pitch over some of these little things that are happening to them for whatever the reason this year. 
And so often it, it happens because we're going to have nights where we're talking about, you know, the White Sox bullpen being elite and being able to get the job done um, and, and the plan that they that they can just deploy to shorten a ball game. And I thought that that was going to be a strength. And then we've got other nights where we're talking about this. It, it, it's I just wish it was consistent, Steve. And I think that that's something that all White Sox fans uh, can agree with is that we just wish we saw the consistent good. Um, I, you, you know, you just want to see your team win ball games. And, and when we're talking about uh, something that was billed to us as, as a strength uh, for this team and looks good on paper, it's not that easy to, it's not that even hard to sell that this should, this should be good because of, you know, prior stats that all these guys have had and the, and the talent that's there. I think you miss Michael Kopech in that bullpen right now a lot more than some people realize. Um, you know, you miss a, a somewhat long reliever guy. I think Tony LaRusso has kind of gone to Jose Ruiz in that in a different light. The starting pitching has really hidden a lot of issues that this bullpen has, and that's a good thing because if this was on full display a couple of nights a week, we could be talking about a completely different record for this ball club, Steve. And I, I, that, that says a lot about what we've gotten out of the 30 pitchers. It really does. The, the rotation has in a lot of ways kind of helped to camouflage some of the issues with various other areas of this ball club, not just the bullpen, but some of the offensive inconsistencies that we have seen at times, particularly hitting with runners in scoring position. And, yes, that's another you know, one. you know, it's, it's just something that, we've only seen a couple of little glimpses here of this team kind of fully operating on all cylinders. And it's really kind of amazing when you think about it, just, you know, the inconsistencies that they've had with that bullpen and with the offensive production and for them to be in the position that they are in right now, I think it speaks to the actual talent level of this squad overall. It does. And and Steve, before we sputter out on everything else that happened tonight, final score, 6-2. Let's get into tomorrow's ballgame because this is going to be an important one. The White Sox need to take this series, Steve. This is it's not a it's not a must-win game, uh, but I think it's it's kind of a statement game coming up here. The reasons behind that, at least for me, is one. This is a 1-1 series against an AL East team that, that's good. It's a formidable opponent. Um, you know, the, the White Sox haven't fared as well against uh, uh, opponents out there. You know, you had your trouble with the Yankees. You had your trouble with the Red Sox. Um, the, this one is is more of a statement game uh, for me than, than most. The, there's been a playoff atmosphere uh, at, at the park. Um, I'm going to – be there, I believe. I've got tickets tomorrow, unless anything happens. Knock on wood. Uh, I should be in attendance. I don't know about you, uh, but uh, I really enjoyed what we saw on uh, on Tuesday night, Steve. Uh, it was a it was a tremendous ball game to watch. The, everything was lively. Everything was fun. This game started out fun. There was a lot of energy in this ballpark to start this game. The Nick Madrigal thing happened. A couple of bad things happened. You had a really terrible eighth inning. How do you respond to that? This is this is a response game. You can take this series still, and you've got Dallas Keuchel on the mound. This guy is no uh, stranger to some adversity, but you've got uh, uh, Ryu on the mound for the Blue Jays. 
and he himself has had uh, a pretty damn good year so far, five and three coming in with a 3.23 ERA and uh, 59 strikeouts. Dallas Keuchel, four and one, 4.25 ERA, uh, 32 strikeouts for him. You know, he doesn't miss as many at bats. So Dallas Keuchel going up against the lineup uh, that is pretty damn good. Uh, in, and he's a guy that pitches to contact a lot, Steve. This this one could get a little bit interesting. The Sox offense is going to have to show up tomorrow against Ryu, and that's that's really important. You may not be able to get by on a really impressive starting pitching start. I know I'm going to say this right now, but I expect Toronto to be able to make a ton of contact off of Dallas Keuchel, so you're, you're going to have to score runs tomorrow. When does this big inning come? How are you going to respond to the Nick Madrigal injury? How is the lineup going to be tomorrow? And are you ready to put up some some crooked numbers? Yeah, I have some concerns about this matchup tomorrow, particularly for some of the reasons that you mentioned with Dallas Keuchel and his inability to miss bats. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays are an offense that swings and misses a lot. And, and they do it a lot against power stuff. And obviously that is not uh, Diamond Dallas Keuchel's game. So and we've seen through the first two games of the series, the Blue Jays up and down this lineup, they hit the ball hard with consistency. Yes. And so Dallas really needs to be fine and really needs to be pinpoint with his command, spotting that cutter on the inner portion of the plate to right-handed hitters. Um, you know, the, we know that the Blue Jays are going to really load up that lineup from the right side tomorrow here in effort to try to take advantage of uh, Dallas Keuchel because they're a team that hits left-handed pitching pretty well, just like the Sox do. So it, it's going to be a very challenging matchup here. Dallas really needs to go out there, establish command of the strike zone early on here. Cannot be pitching behind these guys, 2 uh, We've seen you know, far too often here, you know, you fall behind Bo Bichette, you fall behind Vladito, you fall behind Teoscar Hernandez, some bad things can happen to you. So, And unfortunately, we've seen a few starts from Dallas this year where the command will just kind of escape him for an inning and the things will snowball a little bit. And the next thing you know, there's four runs on the board. They can't really afford to do that tomorrow with Hunjin Ryu on the mound. No, they cannot. And I think that this one's going to be a really tough test. Uh, but it's it's a game where you can come out and, and look at this matchup. And if they can put up some crooked numbers, maybe they need to be a little bit more patient uh, than they were tonight. I mean, the, the pitching matchup tonight totally favored the White Sox, Steve. This, this was... This was your game uh, that you should have been able to take the series. This was this was the game where the White Sox should have been able to win, and it wouldn't be so impactful tomorrow uh, if you do come out and sputter in a matchup that's way more favorable to the Toronto Blue Jays. But I think this starts with, you know, is Jose Abreu going to be healthy tomorrow? How's he going to be feeling uh, after what he dealt with today? Um, is he going to be able to do some things? It's been way too long since I've been able to tweet out Jose Abreu doing some MVP shit, um, and, and we need that back. We need it. We need it back. I'm trying to speak that into existence, as our guy Buzz would say. Um, but you know, is, is Johan Moncada going to be able to uh, to get out of whatever little funk he's in right now? Uh, before that, that spirals into something else. You, you know, Tony Larusa benched Yerman uh, uh, Mercedes. Is he going to be back in the lineup? And and the the league has somewhat figured him out uh, thus far. Uh, there's there's a lot of 
sputtering right now. It just stinks that Nick Madrigal was the guy that was kind of driving some things uh, for the offense. So who's going to step up next to help them get over this? Um, We've we've faced this kind of adversity before. They are not strangers to it. Um, So somebody's going to need to be the guy to get that done. Steve, I'm going to go to you for a pick-to-click first. Who's going to be that guy? All right. If he is in the lineup tomorrow, I'm going to definitely I'm going to double down on Yasmani Grandal going up against a guy that was his former teammate that he caught for several years in L.A. when they were both in a Dodger uniform. I've talked about this frequently on the show. I think one of the toughest things to do as a pitcher is to go up and face a guy that caught you for any length of time. And so I think this is a situation where Yaz could, um, you know, and especially hitting from the right side of the plate where he's been pretty uh, dominant for the last two and a half seasons or so here. Um, I'm really looking for some big things on him if he is indeed in the lineup tomorrow. And that's, I think, the big question there. If he is not in the lineup, um, I think in that circumstance, I'll probably go with Adam Angle then on the pick to click. Nice. I, th- I think your your Yaz pick is, is, is perfect here. I think he's the guy who's been heating up a little bit um, over the past week or so. Um, to, to get the job done here and kind of carry this offense a little bit. I'm going to go with uh, Yoan Moncada, Steve. And, and the reason here is uh, just like I want to speak the Jose Abreu thing into existence, I'm going to continue to try and, and, and speak the Yoan Moncada thing into existence here. He's a guy that uh, if you can get him back um, to what he looked like a couple, just a couple of days ago versus – um, over the last like two games here, uh, he can he can carry this offense as well. And, and from the three spot, we need we need we need him hitting, and we need Jose Abreu hitting. So I'm going to try and speak both of those into existence and take Yoan Moncada tomorrow. Um, Steve, this is going to be an important one. It's going to be a tough one. You got any predictions? I, I do have a prediction. I don't like it, so I don't really want to say it. Um, all I'm going to say is that, you know, Tone, I'm going to need you to step it up tomorrow. If you're in the ballpark, you're going to need to bring the good juju, as as our boy Buzz would say. And uh, you got to do whatever you can do to get a winner out of this thing tomorrow because I'm going to be honest with you, I don't feel great about the matchup. I, I don't feel great about tomorrow's matchup either. And this is probably the most negative we've been on this show uh, in a while, I think it was just uh, a rough ball game tonight, Steve. The matchup tomorrow doesn't look great, but uh, we're, we're going to try and get the job done. I think that uh, the White Sox, um, out of any ball club, uh, have the ability to do that. Uh, we'll see what the lineup looks like. I'm riding you on Mancata. Steve is riding with – who did you take again there? You took uh, Adam yeah. Engel if, no. uh, if, if Yasmani Grandal is not in the lineup. So yeah. you've got, you've got yep. some insurance on yours. You're, you're, you're paying for the insurance here. Going to Adam Engel if, if Grandal is not in the lineup. So that's all we've got for tonight. It's going to be an interesting one tomorrow. This has been a good series um, so far. Uh, despite tonight's loss, uh, the White Sox did uh, have a really good first game in this one. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Steve, I've, I've had more fun on this show before talking about some winners with you. I hope that uh, the show is back tomorrow talking about another White Sox winner. We'll see what happens. 
Once again, Socks on Tap brought to you by OnTap Sportsnet and Grandstand. Steve, it's always a pleasure talking White Sox baseball with you. Hope you enjoy the rest of the night. Thanks for uh, coming on here and, and talking White Sox baseball with me. We'll be back at it uh, tomorrow night with another postgame show. Um, hopefully, I'm at the ballpark bringing home a White Sox winner. You know I love fireworks. Steve, White Sox forever. White Sox for life. <laughs>